Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 it says that he got down on his knees there was a posture that daniel had when he prayed in desperation he was on his knees he had this special place and he had a a, a posture that he took I, i don't know if you guys have a special place my special place and i'll tell you is next to my bed and when I'm in a point of desperation, I just, well, I, sometimes I'm not even on my knees. I'm just lying there on my stomach before the Lord. And there's a, a, a leg of my bed, and I'll cling to the leg, kind of like the, the way they would do. They would, they would cling to the ark of the altar. They would cling there to it, and they would just cling to the, the presence of God, to the, the altar. And, and that's what I'll do. I'll just cling to the altar in desperation, crying out to God. And God meets me in that place, a desperate plea for God's help. It says that he prayed three times a day. He had a pattern for his prayer. A posture, yes. A place, yes. But also there was a pattern for his prayer. He would wake up in the morning and the first thing he would do, do you know what he would do? He would seek God in prayer. Do you know what he would do in the middle of the day at lunch when no one else was around? He'd seek God in prayer. Do you know what he would do at the end of his day when he was about ready to to go to sleep for the night? He would seek God through prayer. Morning, noon, and night, he would seek God through prayer. This is what it says in Psalm chapter 55. But I call to the Lord, excuse me, but I call to God, and the Lord will save me evening and morning and at noon. I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. Prayer is so powerful. If you will get alone with God, if you'll develop a place, a position, and a pattern for your prayer life, God will meet with you in that place. It says there that he went up to this place and he prayed just like he'd done previously, just like every other day. The people knew Daniel's practice was to go to this upper room, to open the window, to face Jerusalem, to face the temple, to face the presence of God, to get on his knees and to pray. They knew his schedule. And he continued to do it even though they had forbidden it. Even though he knew he could be thrown into a den of lions, he continued to pray as he had always prayed. This last year has been difficult for all of us. When the government says you cannot worship the Lord corporately, what is the church to do? And this has been a difficult space, especially for pastors, I believe, because everyone has a strong opinion. We have strong opinions about masks. We have strong opinions about social distancing. We have strong opinions about how many people should be in a room at a time. We have very strong opinions, and there's not a lot of grace for those who have to make these choices. I haven't seen a lot of grace, right? What do we do 
When you're faced with a question like they were in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 5, the disciples are brought before the religious leaders and they forbid them to preach the name of Jesus. You fill this city with an uproar. Everyone's talking about this Jesus that you won't stop preaching. Now stop preaching the name of Jesus. And what do they say? They say, well, it, it's, for us to, to obey you means we would be disobeying the Lord. So whether or not we listen to you or God, you have to decide. But we have to continue listening to the Lord. We've got to obey God. We never would have imagined a year ago that we would be forbidden from getting together and to meet corporately as a church. Never would have. And, and here's what my fear is, is it's just a matter of time before it happens again. So what is the church going to do? What is the church going to do when there are guards at the door? What's the church going to do when the municipalities shut off power? What is the church going to do? Are we going to continue to obey God's call to gather and to meet and to fellowship? Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 10. We've quoted this verse often. And let us consider how to stir up one another for love and for good works, not neglecting to meet together, not abandoning the meeting together as is the manner of some, but encouraging one another daily and so much more so as you see the day, the day of the Lord approaching near. God's word actually says the closer the return of Jesus is, the more we should be gathering and encouraging one another and reminding one another to stay strong, stay committed, keep your walk clean with the Lord. My, my, my youth pastor at Calvary Chapel, his name was John Brown. He went off to England and he planted a few churches there. When he first went over, he was disturbed by the way the state church ran things. It was different, right? And, and you, you were allowed to do things and not do some things. And he said that the states are about 40 years behind where we are over in Europe. And it's coming, right? He's been gone maybe 20 years now. 50, yeah, close to 20 years, I bet. Something like that. So, so here's the thing. This is what my concern is. This is what we need to be ready for as believers, like Daniel, he chose to disobey the rule of law because if he obeyed the rule of law, he would be disobeying the law of God. Who are you going to obey when a push comes to shove? Who has your heart? See, John says that, hey, over here, things are different. And, and he was preparing people to go into underground churches. We need to be ready. That's why we want life groups to flourish here. And I hope that you guys will consider joining, joining a life group when we relaunch those in September. Because if something happens and they say you, you're not going to be able to meet in that building and there's locks on the doors, that we can still gather together and encourage one another as the day of the Lord approaches. Right? It has to take place this way. But here's what worries me. This is what concerns me more than anything. And this is what we're on the precipice of. As you look and you see that they might not outlaw churches, but they're going to tell churches what we can and can't preach. The state is going to dictate, going to try to dictate what truth is. So what is the church going to do when the government comes and says, you have to stop praying in the name of Jesus because that's not inclusive to all faiths, what is the church going to do? It's already happening. It's happening at uh, municipalities, at city council meetings, at government meetings. Don't pray, pray in the name of Jesus, right? That, that's not inclusive. You can't pray in that name. Well, that's where the power comes from is the name of Jesus, right? What are we going to do when the government comes to us and says, you can no longer preach about sin, 
That's hate speech. That makes people feel badly about themselves. Only words of hope and encouragement. You can't point out people's sins. People have, have already uh, looked at us and looked at our church and said, you know, your, your messages are too convicting. We'd rather not sit under those messages. What are we going to do when the government says stop preaching against sin? What are we going to do when the government comes and not only are they saying we can't pray in the name of Jesus, we can't preach about sin. They say you have to stop preaching that Jesus is the only way to heaven because that's not tolerant of everyone's faith. What do we do? Do you realize at that point you might still be able to physically be here, but the power that is in the message, the hope of the gospel has been taken? Right? We can't allow that to happen. What will we do? Will we stand like Daniel and say, look, enough is enough? Even if it means persecution will come, will we take a stand and say, you cannot tell us what to do in this space. God has told us what truth is, and we will communicate that truth faithfully. Right? Listen to what this says. Because it's not a matter of, of uh, if persecution is going to come. It's a matter of when it comes. Persecution will come. Jesus said this. He said in Matthew chapter 24, they will deliver you to tribulation and put you to death and you'll be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. He said this in, in Matthew chapter 5 verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're going to be persecuted. Paul said this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It will happen. It's going to happen. Church, are you ready to be persecuted? That time came in Daniel's life. Daniel, stop praying or you're going to be fed to lions. What does Daniel do? He says, if I have a choice between obeying God and man, I have to obey the Lord. Bring on the persecution. Right? It says there that they came and they found Daniel in his prayer space. Why? Because Daniel wasn't ashamed to live out his faith. So much of the church today is ashamed. If there was a word that went out from our government and it said, go throughout the country and I want you to round up all of the Christians, arrest all of the Christians, would they even come to your door? Would they even come looking for you? Or does your life just look like everyone else's life? Same flood of debauchery, same sin, same issues, same dysfunction. Would they even come to your door? See, they came and they found Daniel because he was living a life that was unashamed. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 8. He says, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. Jesus said this, If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. That's scary, isn't it? If there was a knock at your door, because they're rounding up Christians, would they come? Would they even find you? Would you even be a threat? Daniel, there in his prayer corner, doesn't matter what's coming. And this puts a, a strain here on the king. Read with me. We've we got we to go through some of this here. Verse 12. Then they came near. They said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, This thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you have signed, but he makes his petition three times a day. Look at the distress here caused in the life 
of Darius. Then the king, when he heard these words, verse 14, was much distressed and he set his mind to deliver Daniel. He's trying to figure out a way to, to, to rescue Daniel. He loves Daniel. He respects him. He labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that this is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king has established can be changed. The law that the king had written cannot be revoked. Verse 16. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought, and he was cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. This is what the king says to Daniel. Why would the king say this? It must be, in my mind's eye, it must be because Daniel had told stories to the king. He told stories of these amazing revelations that he had received about these dreams that had saved thousands of people. He told stories about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown into a fiery furnace. No doubt he told stories about the, the Israelites being backed up against the wall, their backs up against the wall, the Red Sea behind them, how the sea parts and they go in through dry land. Stories about how a giant was slain with just a rock in the hand of a youth. Daniel had shared these stories with the king, and now the king says, may that same God who worked all those miracles, may he show up for you now. Look at what happens here. Let's look now at the deliverance of Daniel. Verse 17, a stone was brought, it was laid at the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. There's another man who was put behind a stone, and a seal placed thereupon, wasn't there? His name is Jesus. Verse 18, the king went to his palace. He spent the whole night fasting. No diversions, no entertainment was brought in before him, and sleep fled from him. 19, verse 19, then at the break of day, the king arose. He went in haste to the den of lions, to this pit filled with lions that were on the verge of starvation. As he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Have you been rescued, Daniel? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Were you delivered, Daniel? Daniel cries back to the king, I'm fine. God sent his angel. Throughout the scripture, there are these moments in, in the Old Testament where there's this Christophany, this pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. We see uh, this Christophany calling out to Abraham as he's about to plunge the knife into his son Isaac. And the angel says, stop! Stop, Abraham. Now I know that you love me. The angel calls out Jesus before he, was, he had come as a man. Stop. De, uh, Joshua is on his way into, to conquer the town of Jericho, that walled city. And an angel stands there in his path. And Joshua says to the angel of the Lord, to this pre-incarnate Christophany, this appearance of Christ before the New Testament. And he says to, you, uh, to, says to this appearance, are you with us or are you with our enemy? And the Vision says, I, uh, neither. I, I, uh, this place where you stand is holy ground. And Joshua bows before Jesus. There's this appearance with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You guys just saw 
the king cast them into the furnace, and there the three of them are there, and the king looks in and says, why do I see a fourth person? One is the image of the Son of Man walking in the midst of the fire. Why? Because the angel of God was with them in their suffering. Hear a story of a Soviet soldier standing half naked in the bitter cold, but an angel is there to strengthen him. I bring this up because of this. I want you to know, I want you to understand that it doesn't matter the trial, the tribulation, the persecution, the suffering that awaits us for standing firm with Jesus. The angel of the Lord will be with you. God is with you. Is is that time of suffering, is it worth it to know that you are closer to Jesus than ever before? Do I think for a moment that Joshua would rather have not gone into that battle? No, I think that Joshua was thankful that he had an image of Jesus and he knew Jesus was with him before he went into the fight. I think that Abraham was thankful that the angel of the Lord was there when he was being tested like never before and he could stop and and he was able to spare his son. I think that those three young Jewish boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, would gladly walk into the fire again because it was in the fire that they were closest to Jesus. You are not alone in the midst of your suffering today. The Lord is with you. The angel of God will be there just as it was with Daniel. Now let's look at this and finish this off. Let's see what happens here. We're going to see the destruction now of the wicked. Verse 23, then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded that those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they and their children and their wives. And before they had reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all of their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all of the peoples. Now there's going to be this declaration of the king. King Darius wrote to all of the peoples, nations, languages that dwell in all of the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I will make a decree that all in my royal dominion of people are to tremble and to fear before the God of Daniel. For he is a living God. Enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall never be to an end. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. God delivered Daniel. God rescued Daniel when Daniel needed rescuing. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me for a moment to Hebrews chapter 11. We take for granted our faith and our ability, our freedom to exercise and to worship our faith here in America. When so much of the world is being persecuted, we take it for granted. Listen to what this says. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29, says, By faith the people of God crossed the Red Sea on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down, and they, when they had been encircled for seven days, by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? 
For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured. Listen to this. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. uh, they, They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should be made perfect. They had such faith. They suffered for their faith, but it wasn't even what you have, the author says. You have more than they had. He goes on, and this is what he says, Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. They suffered, they bled, they died, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were persecuted, they lost their lives, they gave their lives for their faith, and yet you still have it better because you can set your eyes to Jesus, you can look to Jesus, you can follow race, run hard after Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. How will we ever have the strength that we need to stand naked in the cold, to pick a Bible off the ground and to wipe the spit off of it? How will we ever be able to to, to make sure that that we don't deny the fact that, yes, that Bible, that's God's word, and that God's, God's word is precious to me? How will we ever have the strength to stand like that if we do not fix our eyes upon Jesus? Paul would say this of his faith, and I'll close with this. I say, of all of these things, all of the ways I used to worship, it's rubbish now. It's trash. The only thing that matters to me now is to know Jesus and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his image, that I can know Jesus more through the way that I suffer. That's what I I value It's no longer the way I used to study. It's no longer the way I used to try to earn my salvation or try to work my way to God. All that matters to me now is that I know Jesus more intimately through the way that I suffer. My fear is that the church in America doesn't know Jesus because we do not suffer. And I struggle between that line of praying that God would deliver us from persecution and praying that God would deliver us out of persecution. Because at this point 
in the life of the church, I think we need to be persecuted. Because it's the only way we're ever going to set our eyes back on Jesus. It's the only way that we're going to actually truly sense and know the presence of the Lord, like Daniel, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is that that presence would be with us when we suffer. And so we need to no longer pray that God would deliver us from persecution, but that God would be with us in the midst of persecution. And that we would bear testimony and give glory to God even in the way we suffer. Daniel inspires me. He inspires me to be a better Christian. He inspires me to take what life I have, this life I have, and to say, God, you gave your life for me, and now here, look, I give my life for you. You're worthy. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977